Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, on this Sunday after Easter, we have the story of Doubting Thomas, a story which has captivated Christians up and down the centuries. Gregory the Great had a wonderful line. He said, The disbelief of Thomas has benefited the church more than the belief of all the other apostles combined. There's just something compelling about the fact that Thomas didn't believe and that he was given this gift of seeing the Lord. What is it now that makes Thomas, especially for us in modern times, so compelling? I think it's because he is a saint suited for our time. Precisely in his skepticism and his empiricism. Listen now to his line from the Gospel. The disciples have said, we've seen the Lord. He came. We saw him. Thomas says, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the nail marks and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. I am a skeptic. I don't buy this. I'm not going to be gullible, superstitious. I'm skeptical. More to it, I am an empiricist. I need to see. Show me. Thomas is from Missouri, you know? Show me the truth here. Don't just tell me these crazy things. Expect me to believe? Come on. He's skeptical and he's empirical. And that makes him very modern. Our country, by the way, I've often said, is formed very much by the principles of modernity. We should feel very much at home with St. Thomas the Apostle. Modernity is founded philosophically by René Descartes, who begins his philosophical project in a great act of skepticism. Descartes says, I will doubt everything which can be doubted. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to knock down everything that I've received in order not to be deceived. And I will try to build a rational philosophy on that newly clean foundation. Descartes bequeathed to many modern thinkers and political theorists and philosophers this skepticism. Other great founders of modernity, people like John Locke, David Hume, or in our own tradition, someone like Benjamin Franklin. These people were empiricists. They liked to see, to analyze, to experiment. They accepted things as real if they could see them, control them, measure them. Now, has modernity given us a lot of good things? Yeah, absolutely. And there's even a side of me that, that rather likes this skepticism and this empiricism. Without these attitudes, we wouldn't have the modern sciences. Physics and chemistry, biology, astronomy, they all develop because of these attitudes. Good. Empiricism. We wouldn't have these accomplishments were it not for an empirical attitude. Think of technology in all of its manifestations. 
We wouldn't have technology. I wouldn't be speaking to you by means of a radio and, and through a camera and so on were it not for this modern attitude. Press it even further. Are there times and situations, even in regard to religion, that we should be kind of skeptical? Yeah, yeah, we should. We shouldn't be gullible. We shouldn't be naive. We shouldn't be superstitious. We don't believe things just because anybody told us about them. Sometimes old traditions, they're just errors grown old. Sometimes it is wise to wipe the slate clean, to be a little bit skeptical, to say, show me, I'm from Missouri. Good, nothing wrong with that. Indeed, the Catholic tradition has a rich intellectual dimension. We ask a lot of hard questions. We like people who seek to understand. I often think here of my hero, Thomas Aquinas, who is the namesake of St. Thomas the Apostle. Thomas Aquinas was not a doubter the way Thomas was, but he spent his whole life asking hard questions. There wasn't a bit of naivete or gullibility or superstition in Thomas Aquinas. Read through his Summa Theologiae, you see thousands upon thousands of questions, the hardest questions. Nothing wrong with that in the life of the faith. And I'll take one more step. When Jesus comes back to that upper room, and this time Thomas is with them, Jesus invites him to see. You want to see? You want to probe the nail prints? Okay. You want to put your hand in my side? Fine. Jesus indulges his desire for empirical verification. But, and now we're right on the hinge, we're right on the fault line, but, he says, Thomas, have you come to believe because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. An invitation to gullibility, naivete, uh-uh, uh-uh. I stand by everything I've just said about the importance of the rational, the importance of being skeptical and empirical appropriately. But something new now is being offered. If you say, I will accept in a skeptical way only those things that I can immediately verify. If you say with your skeptical squint, I will accept only those things that I can touch and see and measure, you will have control over a very tiny portion of reality. Back in the 18th century, there was a German poet, playwright, and scientist named Goethe. Goethe was a great critic of Isaac Newton. Now, Newton's one of the great founders of modern science. Skeptical, empirical, all that. Goethe was very critical of him. Why? He said, Isaac Newton, you take reality. You analyze it on your terms. You take it out of its proper environment. You put it in your laboratory. You take it apart. You seek to know it on your terms, in your way, asking your questions. Will you know something about it that way? Yeah, sure. 
You'll know things about it. But will you know the deepest truth about reality that way? Goethe said, absolutely not. You need rather to allow the object to question you. You need not so much to analyze as to contemplate. You don't know a plant by ripping it out of the ground, putting it under bright lights and ripping it apart. You know a plant better, Goethe said, when you sit contemplatively in its presence, allowing it to question you, allowing it to display to you the rhythms of its life. When you're in control, you know reality to a limited degree. But when you allow yourself to be controlled, then reality shows itself more richly to you. That's why Goethe said, if you want to be a true scientist, you must become a poet. You want to be a true scientist, you must become a contemplative. Here's what I find fascinating. Look at contemporary scientists, especially in the area of physics. What do you find? They're talking about all kinds of strange things that they cannot directly verify. From subatomic particles and quarks to the details of string theory. There's all kinds of hypotheses and all kinds of fantastic ideas that can't be verified directly, can't be measured and controlled. But these scientists have, exactly as Goethe said, they become poets, contemplators as much as analysts. Remember Hamlet's great line to his friend Horatio? There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamed of in your philosophy, Horatio. Horatio is like a modern. He has his philosophy, his science. He has reality understood. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamed of in your philosophy. Therefore, how rich your mind becomes when it allows itself to be informed by what it can't control. One more example. Falling in love. Is there a moment in the process of coming to know another person where you are skeptical, analytical, where you're sizing the person up? Yeah, sure, that's natural, normal. You know, we're a bit skeptical. We look at someone and, do I like that person? What's she like? What if a young man came home, said to his parents, I just met this girl and I want to give my life totally to her. I want to surrender completely to her. Well, they'd say, wait wait a minute, slow down, slow down. Take a much more careful look at this situation. So, that's appropriate at the beginning. Now, as two people come to know each other, they pass through this period of skepticism and analysis. What's happening? They are gradually surrendering to the mystery of the other. They are gradually allowing themselves to be known by the other. They surrender their need to be in control. And they, as the phrase has it, begin to fall in love. That does not sound like control to me. When you fall in love, it means you're surrendering to something you can't control.
There is, in most areas of life, this play between analysis and contemplation. This play between skepticism and surrender. If we're nothing but surrender, we got a problem. But, Christians, if you're nothing but skeptical, nothing but empirical and analytical, you won't begin, even in the most ordinary ways, scientifically, relationally, you won't even begin to understand the fullness of reality. Now, now, we are being invited to fall in love with Jesus Christ. Is there a moment now in this relationship where skepticism and analysis are appropriate? Yeah, sure. The disciples, they had to sort of size him up. They looked him over. They wondered about him, asked questions about him. Is Thomas's skepticism, to some degree, verified? Well, yeah. Yeah, it's legitimate to some degree. But we're being invited to fall in love with Jesus Christ. We can't stay at that level. If we do, we get Jesus totally on our terms, in our way, under our control. He wants to become the Lord of your life. He wants you to fall in love with him. And that is precisely why he says, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed, lucky, fortunate are they who have not seen and have yet believed. We're not getting second best because we haven't seen. No, blessed are we because now we have the capacity to fall in love with Jesus Christ and allow that mystery to take control of us. God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708 449-6100 Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.